fine, we'll go. Okay. I turned off the mic. Now it's back on. Okay, so I'm loud. Do I need this for you? Okay. Revelation 19. We're going to look at, um, we're looking at love and dating. And if you're, if you're, it's your first time this, this semester at RUF, we're glad you're here. But we've covered a lot of ground. We've looked at just all the, all the angles in which God uh, has set up relationships in our world um, and how we are deeply interested in these things and how he uh, has spoken to them. And it's, it's, it's almost just comical how we obsess about marriage, dating, relationships, and all that, and how at the very end of the Bible, and even at the very beginning of the Bible, there's a marriage, uh, there's a wedding, there's a relationship. Uh, and so we're going to look, uh, it's, my pl- it's my privilege to read with you Revelation 19 tonight as we look at uh, the final message about um, love and relationships this semester. And that is going to be, uh, it's called, we're going to call it an invitation to the wedding. The weddings we've talked about, the relationships we've talked about this semester, they all point forward to a greater wedding. They all shadow a greater wedding between the Lord Jesus and his people. So, so read with me about this wonderful relationship in Revelation 19. It says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give Him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to, and he said to me, These are the words of God. Then I fell down at His feet to worship Him. But He said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers uh, who hold, your, hold testimony of the Lord Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the Lord, is the word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and with a loud voice he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead, Come, gather for the great supper of God to eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all men 
both free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who was sitting on the horse and against his army. And the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet who is, who is in its presence had done, had done the thing, the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. The, these, were, these two were thrown, to the, thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur, and the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse, and all the birds were gorged with their flesh. Amen. The grass withers, flower fades, the word of our God stands forever. And <laughs> well, God bless us tonight. Um, we have a passage which talks about this marriage supper of the Lamb, and then it leads into this, this uh, same bridegroom bringing about justice, bringing about terror upon his enemies. And so um, I want to begin with, with the simple four words that the, the end is coming, y'all. As we talk about the end of these students' careers at OU, things end. Things really do end. Um, we don't think that, though. <laughs> we don't believe that things are actually going to end. The end is coming. And so we, we are, you know, as, as I think, you know, we're, that was communicated by the seniors, there, there is so much to distract you. Uh, as Andrew was talking about, and, and, and uh, Amy made this point, Lauren, and you know, we, we're distracted. I mean, you know, just parking uh, is a huge distraction for me. I mean, parking just throws me off all day long, um, trying to find a place, parking places. Um, you've got pressure to, just, to, to succeed in, in life here at OU, and a lot, of, a lot of money involved in this. And so uh, the, the, the letter grades and the number grades can be devastating. To you, and uh, you, you, you know, you can, no, you know, you can kind of take Spotify, Twitter, and just love these things. These things like that they, they really help you get through life. Um, just the internet in itself can such a such bring such distractions to you to make it through when you're worried about chemistry, and then you're, you're playing the social game, the dating game. You met somebody uh, and you've given out numbers, and and there's that. That, that call me maybe idea, you know, like maybe he'll call, maybe he'll text, maybe he won't. You know, there's just so much going on uh, in your life and in your heart, and there's the, it's a mess. But the one thing you've got to remember is the end is near. The end is near. All the relationships will end. <laughs> it's going to end. Everything. And there's going to be a new beginning. And so the end is coming, and so there's, there's kind of four categories of people when you think about the end. Uh, for many, uh, it's a terrifying thing. You're worried about it. You are, are nervous about it because you don't know where you stand with God. You don't know where you stand. If this is really going to happen, you might not be sure about your salvation. You might not be sure about, you know, have you, have you, have you done good enough? Have you walked the line, so to speak? Uh, you're confused about what even, what even merits a Christian, uh, what even merits eternal life, and, and so you're terrified, you're worried. Uh, others, uh, those of you who know you're not a Christian and are here tonight, you think this is no big deal because it doesn't really, it's not going to happen anyway. The end is coming. There's not going to be no Jesus on a horse. There's going to be none of this because it doesn't, it's, it's all fiction. It's all myth. No big deal. You're not impressed. Uh, so so there's, there's two categories right there. Thirdly, um, 
there's some real Christians in here tonight, uh, really people who love this and breathe this and, and are trying to consistently live for Christ, and you're welcoming these things. Man, it would be great if I didn't have to deal with some of the, the, the stuff that I've dealt with for all my life, and that Jesus is going to come, and I'm going to be married to him, and so, so to speak, and, and this image of that, and, and, and he's going to make all things right. That's wonderful. Others, you're in here, and you think you're a Christian, but there's going to be a cataclysmic surprise for you. Uh, and that, that Jesus is going to, you're not going to be, you're not be, you're not invited to this, this supper, but you're going to be on the outside looking in. And, and, and you think you are, but you're not. Um, and so you're going to be facing devastation. So, so wherever you are tonight, um, I want to look at three wonderful realities uh, that, that I think can encourage each of us wherever we are. Okay? And bring clarity to us about the end that's coming to all relationships. Um, so, first, your wedding groom is going to arrive. Um, the relationship and dating euphoria that is present in you, all throughout you and all throughout me, uh, is, 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 is uniquely tied up in the Bible with a unifying vision of marriage. If you look at verse 6, Verse 7, there's this great voice, and the marriage of the Lamb has come. The bride has made herself ready, and she's clothed in fine linen. The marriage of the Lamb is here in verse 9. Um, and so, um, I, I'll tell you, there's, only like, there's probably like six great moments of happiness in my life uh, that, are, that, that go above anything else. Um, one, because Arkansas has never won a national championship. I've never experienced an Oklahoma national championship yet. Those could probably be up there, I'm assuming. But um, the first one would be uh, getting engaged uh, was awesome. Someone saying yes to me, this guy, okay, incredible. And then it's Meredith, of all people. Like, I'm, I'm absolutely floored that she said yes to me and that God brought that blessing to me. Outkicked my coverage majorly with her. Um, you have no idea. Okay, so, so that's, that's one great happy moment for me. The second one, of course, is the wedding day. Fantastic. Uh, we all long for that day in which, you know, like, like when, if, as a man, you see your bride, the church doors, you know, peel open, and then there comes this, this woman looking better than she ever will look in her whole life in the white dress, and your, your face just goes red, and, and tears start welling up, and you're like, she's coming for me. Um, and, th- and, and so, actually, I'm lying. She's, she'll look better to you the whole, the whole rest of your life. Saving it, yeah. This is on tape, yeah. So, um, she does, yeah, yeah. It all goes down. No. Um, but, but no, you, you prepare for this, ladies. And men, we prepare for this. this. This wonderful wedding day, it's a joyous day. So, beautiful. So, uh, you know, to, to see her, I mean, just, the, and then it's loud. I mean, like, that, like all of a sudden this, this song pipes in, pipe organ, wherever you have the, the wedding. It's just, it's majestic to see a bride coming for you and then making these, these, these lifelong vows to one another. It is fantastic. And some of you are getting ready to do that. And we're excited about that. And we, it's, there's just no bigger deal in all your life. It's a huge deal. 
The other ones would be the four, the four babies born. I mean, like, love at first sight there. I mean, like, with, you know, it's like just boom. This, this, and this is the fruit of the love, the fruit of the, fruit of the marriage here. These, these four children that I've been blessed with. And so these are happy things. And so I would say I'm obsessed with my marriage, with my children, with my friends, as you are. And it's beautiful. It is beautiful. And, and so God knows us better than we know ourselves, and so He gives us the greatest picture that we can relate to, doesn't He? He gives us a bride and a groom at the end of the Bible to encapsulate all things and give us hope. Now, if you've learned something already about the Bible study, it's good to know context to get the meaning of the Bible. And in Revelation, when you're talking about Revelation, God's been really good to us and given us this tangible thing we can look to and said so there's joy and there's hope because this book was written to people who were being destroyed and killed and suffering. And the whole point of the book, if you look at Revelation, the whole book, it's that God wins. God absolutely wins. So keep strong. Keep your faith. Be strong and courageous even when things look bleak because God will win in the end. And He gives us the picture that we can all look at and relate to. All of history moving towards a reality of a wedding. It's compared to a wedding. It is going to be final. It's going to be... You know, I mean, like, I, I've seen brides, you know, with their, with their bouquet, like, be like, finally! You know, like, finally it's here. It is the most, it's the most joyful but the most stressful thing for the bride to actually to get, pull the wedding off. It's a huge deal. Finally, the relief there. It's happy. It's, I'm sorry to say it's loud. It's joyful. It's sacred. It's all these things in one. Guys, he's saying that's going to be happening for you. And what we experience with a wedding is just a picture and an analogy of what it's going to be like. That there's going to be Jesus there. And they're going to throw the church doors open to say, and we're going to come walking down that aisle. And there's going to be this reception. And Jesus', Jesus face is going to do what my face did when I saw my wife. And what your, ladies, what your husband's face is going to look like. Just that look of joy and thankfulness and glory about a wedding. Like, that's what he says about us. Phenomenal. That God could, could take sinners, he could dress them up and change them into a beautiful bride. And then in verse 8, it was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. Y'all are the bride. Those are in Christ. And you're going to look beautiful. And so those who are terrified, worrying, if you're... Guys, if you're in Christ, this is final. If, you're, if your trust is in Jesus, this is as true as anything you've ever known. Anything you've ever known is true. It is true. It will happen. It will come to pass. The Bible promises us. And, 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 and in a much more profound way than anybody can ever promise to you anything, the Bible promises, and God doesn't lie. And so, what is this bridegroom going to be like? What's our eternal marriage going to be like? Well, your wedding groom, secondly, here is going to be a lover. Um, look at verse 8 again. It, he, it was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, uh, bright and pure. He is going to, to clothe you. Now, I had a, had a you know, I, I don't know if you all know this, but I had a baby a couple weeks ago, and uh, I haven't been getting a lot of sleep, and, and I'm kind of scatterbrained. And so last weekend, I actually had the joy of my friend Ben Haley calling me and said, I want you to come down to Dallas and be my roommate for this little church thing we were doing on Sunday morning. We had a Sunday school class we had to go to uh, at Parsi's Prez in Dallas. And so I thought about driving up on Sunday morning early and getting there in Dallas. 
But he said, I've got a hotel room for you. Come and be my roommate and get a little break from, from the sleepless nights. And, and I had in-laws in town. Don't judge me. My in-laws were in town. And so it was an opportunity to get away. And, and you had too many cooks in the kitchen, you know, and just to, just to be and have some solitude and some fellowship and friendship with Ben. So we had a great time. But, again, I'm scatterbrained. So I forgot my underwear, okay? Uh, like, you do not want to forget your underwear when you're going to teach Sunday school at a, at a big church, okay? You forget your underwear. So, horrible. Uh, so, well, my friend Ben, you know, as I'm, as I'm you know, he's, he's ready, and I'm, you know, I'm out of the shower, I'm looking through my, you know, bag, there's, there's no underwear in here. So, okay, so, he said, did you forget your underwear? You know, he's got the, the, the like, the Mississippi twang, you know, going on, and uh, it, I said, yeah, and he said, I've got an extra pair. Now, <laughs> they're, like, they're like double XL. I mean, like, <laughs> but they're underwear. And, they, and, and, and so, so I, you know, I, I put on his underwear and, and you know, put on the suit, went to church, and so it's going great. You know, lunch went great, and drove on home, took off the underwear, put on my own underwear. It was great. They were clean. I mean, so, so clean underwear, very important, okay? There's a, so, so being, you know, it's like, the, <laughs> all to say, what do the underwear represent in this story? What do the clothing represent here in this story? That's key to know, right? It's granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. To someone to give you the underwear out of their bag is a big deal. Jesus gives us his underwear. Okay? <laughs> How do you ever think about that? How you ever, and you never thought you'd ever hear that in a church, right? Like Jesus gives us his underwear. He puts on our underwear, doesn't he? Our lack of underwear, our, our, our nakedness, our shame. Okay. And he lets us wear his. He lets us wear the most wonderful. Okay, now, I'm serious, guys. That is significant, right? The clothing here is very important because it gives you significance. You're wearing fine, bright, pure wonderful, righteous clothing in the presence of God. And that's not our natural status. Not natural at all. For us to be able to stand in the presence of God unashamed, there's no one who can do that in the Bible. Isaiah the prophet, when he encounters the glory of God, he falls down as a man dead and says, you know, I have, I'm a man of unclean lips. Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. I don't deserve to be here. But you're going to deserve to be there because you're going to be wearing Jesus' righteousness upon you. Okay? Not literal underwear. But His real and unadulterated righteous life is going to be yours. And so your status at that banquet is forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. It will be secure because you're going to be wearing Christ's clothing. You're going to have security in that. You know, you're going to, you're, you think about the clothing Okay, you have secrets. He knows your secrets. They're all bare before him, but they're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. He's not going to be the one who's going to know all your secrets and turn his back on you. You're, you're there before him. He's going to sustain you. He's going to, he's going to love you and care for you because you're his bride. Okay, now think about all the things you, you do to prepare to someday get married maybe. Someday to, to, like, to love this person in a relationship, you love the person, you, you make them feel the significance, you try to make them feel security, 
You tell each other your secrets. You sustain one another. You sacrifice for one another. You do it because you love them. And that's what it's saying. All the things that you see in relationships that you're doing, God in Jesus is going to do them infinitely better for you in that way. Uh, And so he's a lover. He's a lover. Okay, think about, you know, you think about lovers. He's a lover, but not in a weird kind of creepy sexual way. Okay, Um, like we're not calling Jesus a lover in that way. All the things that you're looking for in a lover, all the feelings in your, deep in within your heart, all the things that you've lost and hope that somebody's going to complete you with, and that, that old Jerry Maguire movie where he says, two people say, you complete me. Okay, you're looking to be completed. All the, all the deficits in your heart that you're looking for a lover to do, Jesus is going to bring those to you. He's going to complete you. Okay? He's going to do that. And He did it primarily through a cross, through a sacrifice. Only then, only through that could He change you. And only through knowing that can you be changed. Men need to hear this. I know this is weird to be thought of as the bride of Christ. But until you can become a bride of Christ, you'll never be a husband. You can never be a husband. Until you can, as a bride in in Ephesians 5, which you looked at, a bride, it says, should submit to her husband. Should, should, should follow him until you can submit to Jesus and follow him because of his great love for you that he laid down his life for you. He's worth submitting to until you can love Jesus in that way. You're not ready to love a woman. Okay, To know that sacrifice is the pattern that you're going to be called to give towards a woman. To sacrifice and love her in that way. Um, this is, the, this is the, the ultimate picture of sacrifice. Jesus. Okay, so we've seen... This, this is the face of the one who loves us. The one who would die on a cross for our sins. The one who would give us his righteous clothing and take on our dirty and filthy rags and die for it. Okay? He, would, he would cleanse us of all our sin and shame and sustain us. He's a husband. Okay? Now, let's look that there's more to it than that. He's not just the Hugh Grant from the romantic comedy kind of guy. He's not just the just the, the charming, win, you know, winsome kind of a kind of a doofus. Actually, he's not just just for you in so many ways. He's actually for you in ways that you don't even know he needs to be for you. Let's look deeper at this. Let's look at the like the next thing on here is that your wedding groom, your Jesus, is a redeemer. He's a redeemer. Now. I think of, um, you know, as I'm thinking about all the things it says in here about Jesus coming on the white horse. You know, got, you know ladies, when you, when you have the, like, the, uh, the pictures of the prince on the white horse, this is actually the ultimate prince on the white horse here, isn't it? Okay, the, the one who will defend your honor. He will fight for your honor. And the, the real, like, kind of, you, you boil it down here, like, you, you have been transgressed against in so many ways by the world, by Satan, by your own sin. And your prince, men and women, Jesus, he will not tolerate that. He will judge that. He will, he's relentless in his justice against that. And he's going to take those who have sinned against you in all these ways and throw them into the fire of burning sulfur alive. There's this picture of great justice, this graphic image of a prince coming with his robe dipped in blood on a horse and then 
bringing an army behind him to judge all those who have hurt you, and primarily the devil and Satan. He does bring relief to you in that way. Uh, I don't know if y'all have y'all seen uh, Zero Dark Thirty, uh, the movie with uh, with the, the, it's a story of how the, the team goes in and, and takes down Osama bin Laden in uh, Pakistan, and the main character of that's a woman, uh, and she is relentless in her pursuit of Osama bin Laden because of all the all the you know the, the general atrocities committed by the group against America and USA uh, with 9/11. But she had friends die through uh, terrorist attacks on her. And she is relentless in seeing him brought down. And the, gra- the biggest scene in the movie is when, uh, when, when they bring the body you know, of Osama bin Laden uh, to her, especially. And she gets the satisfaction of looking upon the body uh, before she gets back on a, on a helicopter and goes back to the States. They bring her in to see that. That's a picture of her relentless pursuit over years and years and years and years of this man is exactly the picture that Jesus has in the Bible of his relentlessness towards bringing relief. Okay? He's going to take the father of lies down, the father of betrayal, the father of rape, the father of all shame, the father of all that down. All the shame, all the, all the sin, the devil's blood is going to be staining, staining uh, this lake. As he's judged. Okay. Um, Jesus goes all Django on him, doesn't he? Um, to Jesus, okay? Um, he goes like, yeah, so um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's very cruel and epically vengeful that he does this. Why? Why all the violence? Stop the violence. We don't like violence. Violence is a repulsive to many of us, but Jesus exhibits true, jealous rage and revenge, throwing them into this lake and burning sulfur because he loves his bride. Uh, what I want to close with just um, uh, this uh, movie you have, may not have seen, but I want to talk about how this really pictures it, is Braveheart. Okay? Many of you have seen Braveheart. What I want to talk about it is Braveheart. Like, the, thing, like the, the scene that really churns you know, uh, my insides and makes me boil with anger is when William Wallace's wife is taken from him. Okay, the, 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 those, Engl- those wicked English people, you know, would take advantage of the Scottish people. This this rule of first night, where they take the bride on the first night uh, and rape her. Okay, and, and so like his wife is killed um, uh, in the story, but that that just that justice needed to be enacted against them. And so the, the people who are actually instigating this, I believe, it's kind of foggy in my mind. There's one picture in the story uh, of where there's a man who's a ruler in, in England, and his, uh, he, he you know, has this nightmare of William Wallace coming through the, uh, the window on a horse, jumping through the window and taking a mace and bashing him with it. It is epically disturbing, okay? And so, but that's exactly what must be done. Justice. Jesus bringing about cruel and appropriate vengeful wrath against those who've hurt his bride and many other brides in Scotland. Okay? I'm mixing the brave heart and, and you know, what we're doing here, but that's exactly what's going on. Jesus has jealous reverence for you. 
for your purity, for your good. He will track you down and bring you to this wedding supper. He will pull you out of the sins which, which grip your heart and the idolatry and the false worship that you, that you and I um, are tempted by. And the ultimate culprits of, uh, who, who have sown this seed in our, in our fields and have brought about these things towards us, all this harm, all this hurt, will be brought to justice finally. And the reason why we can stand in that day and not be in the same place that all those are judged are being in, in this, in this fiery lake with the army of heaven coming against us, is that Jesus has already stood in our place and been judged in that way. He is, in a lot of ways, the William Wallace being stretched, being torn apart. Um, he was torn apart for yours and my sin. And if we, will, if we will embrace that as our story, that our bridegroom was broken for our sin, then we have a supper. We have a wedding supper. But if we refuse to embrace Jesus as for us in that way, if we refuse to see that we put Jesus there to be stretched apart, shamed, and killed, and if we fail to believe that, then all that is left for us is for all that justice to be poured out upon us. And so the end is coming, y'all. The end is near. The end is coming. And we must find ourselves right there with Jesus by grace, or we will find uh, no grace, absolutely no grace, but wrath. It's a heavy note to end on, isn't it? That's the end of the, that's the, end of the Bible, but the joy is that the, that the bride descends out of heaven in chapter 21, and she's radiant. And you can be that bride. You can be that. Let's pray. Our joy, Lord, let our joy be in this wedding to come. Let it be in that and not on any other thing that we might build our lives upon, but strictly upon the joy of a future, the joy of hope, the joy of all things being overturned, all the things that have harmed us and hurt us being taken away because you, Lord, committed yourselves to us for all eternity, from all eternity past. You've known us and you've loved us. Lord, if we are hearing this, uh, would you make it real to us and would you give us joy about it and, and, and change our hearts radically? Help us to love and to sacrifice and give. Would you, would you make our lives, our, 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 uh, all of our lives uh, become more radiant and pure? And would you clothe us, we pray. We long for that day. Some way, somehow, bring that day quicker, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.